just for me. When I was younger, the first time I heard this statement spoken, it was from Bishop Hood. He said that if you were the only sinner on earth, Jesus Christ would have came to die just for you. Talks about the shepherd that had 99 and 100 sheep and one sheep got lost and he left the 99 to go find that one sheep that was lost. He talks about the widow that had a, a, a coin collection and she lost that one coin and she looked all night through her house and through her property just to find that one coin. Our Savior told us those parables to let us know that if you were the only sinner here on earth, he would have come down to die just for you. That's how much our Savior loves us on this morning. That's how far he will go just for me, just for you. Let's give the Lord another praise because he's willing to give. He gave it all for you. Amen. Y'all can be seated on this morning. We're going to get straight into the word on today. I think I remembered to cover everything I was supposed to do before we got into the word. No, I think I covered everything. Amen. Let's, let's get into the word on this morning. Again, let's praise the Lord for this most excellent music department. Dr. Judy McAllister has been doing such a wonderful job. Turn with me now, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Verses 24, I'm going to be reading the NIV version of that scripture on this morning, and it reads, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. I will also want to read the first sentence of the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, which reads, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now I believe that even in this time of worship and such a beautiful time of celebration that we even had, even earlier on our service on the day that there may be someone here that there is someone here struggling with what it means to be happy. So today, today we're going to talk about the pursuit of happiness or how to be happy. 
Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to tell us how to be happy. The pursuit of happiness. Now, at first glance, there's nothing wrong with this thought. I mean, we all want, deserve, and have a right to be happy. As a definition, happiness is a state that is characterized by or indicative of pleasure, contentment, or joy. Everybody say joy. I just love saying that word. It means to be delighted, pleased, or glad over a particular thing. Now, when most of us think of being happy or happiness, we think of a scenario in which, for the most part, everything is as we wish it to be. There's an old song that says, oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I have a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. I'm the only one that ever heard that song. Y'all in here, hello. <laughs> but that is the concept that we've had of happiness. Everything would be great if we'll say things like everything would be great and I'd be happy if only this would happen or that would happen or I'll be happy if I get the right house or the right job or if I lived in the right neighborhood or I'd be happy if I could get my children in the right schools or if I could get them to act right or or if my spouse would act the right way or do the right thing whatever that may be so again we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and again, there is nothing wrong with pursuing happiness if you know what true happiness is. Now, one of the more generally held assumptions that we have had in our cultural perspective is that happiness is synonymous with material provision and wealth. That if you want happiness, then you have to have Wealth, you have to buy and own lots of stuff. That if you have a lot of things, you will be happy. We've had an assumption that happiness means you have a lot of things. Never before in the history of the world have we had more stuff. And you have to admit, we like our stuff. I mean, we have so much stuff that we rent apartments for our things. Yeah, we call it public storage. I mean, I'm a little guilty of this myself, but some of us can't even park our cars in our garages because we keep so much stuff in our garage. We can't even keep our car in it. 
I was given a good metaphor on this issue by sociologist Tom Hartman, and he said that this relationship with our stuff and happiness is based both on the truth and it's based on a lie at the same time. For example, if you're walking through the forest and it's cold and it's raining and you're completely alone and you don't have any clothes and you're close to starving, it's probably a safe assumption to assume that you are not happy. You're alone, cold, starving, closeness, clothes, and you're out there in the, no clothes and you're out there in the rain. That's the truth. Can we agree on that? Okay. So now if I see you out there in the forest, and I go, my brother, my sister, what are you doing out there in the forest alone, starving, half naked and cold in the rain? Come on in here to my hut. Put on this cloak that I have. I have this fire. Sit down by this fire. You look like you haven't eaten in a couple days. Sit down and eat with me and talk with me. No strings attached. Just sit down, eat, and talk with me. I have a big bowl of stew that I just made. Here, sit down and eat and talk with me. Now, before you were starving, cold, half naked, and alone. But now you have shelter, you have food, you have clothing, and you have companionship. Now you're happy. That's the truth. We can all agree on that. But the lie that this is based on and our culture says, if this little bit of stuff makes me this happy, then twice as much stuff will make me twice as happy. And then three times as much stuff will make me three times as happy. And then 10 times as much stuff will make me 10 times as happy. And a thousand times as much stuff will make me a thousand times as happy and I'll be a thousand times. And, and we see folks with millions and billions of dollars and we think that they have eternal bliss. But my brothers and sisters, that is a lie. Millions and millions of dollars will not make you more happy. I remember learning about the great stock market crash of 1929 during, and, I, and hearing the urban legends of millionaires that jumped out of high-rise buildings on Wall Street when they lost their fortunes. Even nowadays, we've heard about people with millions of dollars in their bank accounts at the top of their field, world famous, have everything that we think that one would need to be happy, taking their own lives, and we can't seem to understand why. They had everything. Me, my bills come up to here, but my money only comes up to here. I'm talking about financial misfortune being the number two reason for divorce in our nation. But some of those folks seem to have everything. The credit card company once told us to chase what matters. But we haven't learned that what really matters cannot be bought with a credit card. 
They want you to buy that expensive watch, but they don't tell you that not even a $6 million luxury timepiece can buy you more time. You can't buy more time no matter how expensive your watch is. They want you to buy that 20-bedroom house, but all the money in the world won't buy you a home, a home full of love, a home full of life, and a home full of laughter and peace and family. You can have a million-dollar house, a 10, 15, 20 million-dollar house, and be completely cold, alone, and lonely in the middle of that house. Family full of strife and hatred and anger at war with each other. There is a belief that has been taught in our culture that greed is okay, that greed is healthy. And that ideology has spread through our culture like wildfire. I once heard a commercial that touted the slogan that too much more is never enough. We are being poked and prodded to buy and buy and accumulate, 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 get more and more without asking, will this make me happy? It has bred an epidemic of consumeritis in our culture. Everybody say consumeritis. Covetous has now become a part of our culture and national identity. Our money, on our money it says, in God we trust. But it seems that money has become our God. It has made me wonder if the church that America really worships out on Sundays is the shopping mall. <laughs> One Sunday I went to a restaurant in a well-known mall to pick up dinner after service, and it was packed to the gills. More packed than church. I looked around and said, hmm, so this is where everybody is spending their Sundays at. <laughs> and we all know the adage that of how some of us will be in the habit of buying things that we can't afford to impress people that we don't even like. Or keeping up with the Joneses or the Johnsons or the neighbors. We, we all know about that. There's even something out there called retail therapy. Which I uh, see somebody knows, uh-huh, see? But retail therapy is the act of shopping with the primary purpose of improving your mood or disposition. Not shopping to get what it is you need, but shopping just to feel better about yourself. It is an overt assault on your sense of happiness because you are being told that you need things to be happy or of value. Things. One of the saddest statements that you will ever hear on the airways is the question, well, how much is he or she worth? Or he or she is worth this much. They have a net, net worth of this much. You can look somebody up online and to see their net worth. It's gotten to the point now to where we try to put a value on human life based on how much money we have. One day I once saw a couple young ladies looking up one of the brothers that they had just met just to see what his income was. 
Mm-hmm. They say laughter admits guilt, you know, so. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I know nobody here did that, right? But as it stands now, I have to get a new wardrobe every season. They told me I had to put away all my baggy jeans because they're wearing skinny jeans now. It's that handbag or clutch that they tell you you just have to have by the right designer that costs $15,000 that will be out of style next season. We see or hear thousands of messages a day urging us to buy something. It's all around us. The commercial will show how unhappy someone is before they buy what the commercial is selling, and then they'll show how good the life of the person is after they have the product. You'll never see a commercial, the person in the commercial wearing a frown while they are holding the product in question. There's a connection made in the commercials between the buying of a particular product with happiness or satisfaction. If you buy this, then you'll be like and have the same feelings of the person in the commercial. They send a very subtle message that acquisition equals satisfaction or happiness. And my undergraduate major when I was in college was marketing. So I know that what they are saying is true. Equate happiness and satisfaction with whatever it is that you are selling. You, are, you will never see a commercial that tells you that you don't buy, need to buy this year's model because last year's model works just fine. Last year's model was so good, you don't need to buy this year's model. You are made to feel inadequate, unattractive, and incomplete unless you buy that particular product. They will even go as far as to say, as to say choosy mothers choose. <laughs> the unspoken message in that slogan is you are not a good mother unless you buy and I like me some peanut butter. Amen. You were making just fine, making do just fine with what you had until you saw that commercial that said, are you still driving that beat old car? Are you still watching the football game on that old TV? I thought I was doing good when I finally got a smartphone. I got at home and started figuring out how to work the thing, and then I look up, and I see the commercial for the newer version of the phone that I just bought. I had the phone, that I, the one that I had, I thought the one that I had was just fine. And now they're telling me that I need to get a newer, later version because the one that I just bought was not compatible with the new software update. And I learned later that there is a practice of producing consumer goods that rapidly become obsolete and so require replacing. 
And this is achieved by frequent changes in design and termination of the supply of spare parts and the use of non-durable materials. They are intentionally making a product that they know will become obsolete after a certain period of time, so you'll have to pay to replace it. Look it up, it's called planned obsolescence. See, you learn something when you come to West Angeles. Now, let's get into the word, amen, because somebody, he ain't tell you nothing about the Bible since he got up in here. I didn't come to church for a lecture, nothing like that. I came to, I came to jump and bump and pray to the Lord and lose myself. No, we're going we gonna to learn a little something here today. Now, let's get to the word. Now, the Bible at times, even this one's going to be hard to wrap your mind around. Now, the Bible at times seems to argue with itself. Now, I said it. The Bible at times seems to argue with itself over the subject of money, riches, and possessions. It does. Turn to Psalms 144 and 12. It reads, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. That our garners, or in our terms, our accounts may be full, affording all manner of store. That our sheep, or in our terms, our investments, may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, or our economy. That our oxen, or our business ventures, may be strong to labor. That there be no breaking in or going out. That there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Now, there's no way around it. This is about stuff. It's about garners and sheep and oxen. It's about tens of thousands in return on investment. There's no way around it. It says it right there at the end of the verse. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. You have Psalm 1. Whoever meditates on the law of the Lord day and night and loves the teaching of God is like a tree planted by a stream of water. Everything he does will prosper. In other words, godliness is in league with riches. You do what is right, you'll prosper. You do what is wrong, you won't prosper. But on the other hand, everybody say the other hand. You have Psalm 73 and it reads, When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, I was confused and envious. You have Luke 1 and 53. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. You have Mark 10. Sell all that you have and give to the poor. You have, it is easier for, the, for a camel to enter into the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
You have in the Bible, for the love of money. And you know what? It just grinds my gears when I hear people out there in the world say, money is the root of all evil. Money, no, it is not. It says the love of money. If you're going to quote it, get it right, my brothers and sisters. The love of money is the root of all evil. You have the parable of the rich fool. Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And then whose though will those things which you have provided is not so simple, is it? It's a very, very complicated subject. Money, things. It is beautiful and it's ugly. One of the most beautiful things we do here in the house of God involves money. We pray the blessing and praise God for the blessings of the first fruits. The deacons position themselves to receive the gifts, and we as God's people partner with Almighty God for the building of his kingdom. And people who we don't even know around the world are blessed. People like Sister Cheyenne Robinson are able to come in our WASFO program and be able to get scholarships, tutoring, and training, and to be able to move into a life that God and, and a purpose that God has for them. I'm going to have to ask you to give yourselves another hand on today. You all make that kind of thing possible with your giving and your love and your support. It's a beautiful thing. There is nothing more beautiful than that. And yet you have, she married him for the money. You have Judas betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Oh, it was the money. Money talks. If it don't make dollars, then it don't make sense. It's a mix. It seems like the Bible argues with itself about it. When I was in college back in the late 80s at ORU, I once heard a prosperity, prosperity preacher say, show me a poor man and I will show you a sinner. But Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Money is a complex matter. Now, let me be clear on something. I need for you all to hear me very carefully. God wants you to be blessed. I'm going to say it again. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to prosper. For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, for a future and a hope. He wants you to be blessed. Just because you're rich or have lots of possessions, that doesn't mean that you are going to hell. Let me say that again. Just because you are prosperous and you have lots of possessions and you might be even sitting here in this church, that does not mean that you are going to hell. This is not a disgruntled rant against rich people. If you've been blessed with prosperity, hallelujah. Hmm. Glory to God in the highest. I praise God for you. I'm not going to hate. I'm going to congratulate. <laughs> if you got a news Royce, I'm going to be like, swing down, sweet chariot, stop, and let me ride. Oh, how, how, how many of y'all are old enough to remember that? 
Some of y'all gonna act like y'all don't remember George Clinton. <laughs> Let me ride. Let's do lunch at your favorite restaurant. My birthday is in March. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I am not mad at you. Amen. Go on and rest in God's blessings and move forth in God's blessings but how he's, and how he's blessed you. But you need to remember that you've been blessed for a purpose. God has blessed you so you can be a blessing. God didn't bless you with material wealth so you can spend it all on you. God hasn't blessed some of you with, with a whole lot of material wealth because he knows that you're going to think that it was all for you and what you want. But he's blessed you to be a blessing. But 1 Timothy 6 and 17 reads, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. I'm going to read that again. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they will be rich in good works, ready to give, ready to give, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. There it is. So I'm not mad at you that you are rolling, but God has blessed you for a purpose. Here it is right here, Isaiah 58 and 10. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. If you use what God has blessed you with to bless others, then your soul will be satisfied. Your bones will be strengthened. You will be happy. I said, if you use what God has blessed that what God has blessed you with to bless others, then your soul will be satisfied, your bones will be strengthened, and you will be happy. I heard Bishop say not too long ago that if you have material wealth, you can still get into the kingdom. But if material wealth has you, then you can't get into the kingdom. The world likes to say that he who dies with the most toys wins, but he who dies with the most toys still dies. 
And none of those toys are going to be help you, are going to be able to help you when it comes to eternity. Bishop used to love to say, I have never seen a U-Haul trailer following a hearse to the graveyard ever. I think those Egyptians used to try to do that, put all their treasure in a tomb, but we know what happened there. The brethren robbed them blind as soon as they got the chance. None of these things are going to make you happy. And I, I feel like that there's a reason why I have to say this, that the Lord keeps impressing it upon my spirit because I know that God is about to bless somebody in here. We have some prosperous members here at West Angeles. God has been blessing some of the members of West Angeles with blessings that they do not have room enough to receive. God is going to bless somebody in a way that they cannot imagine. I speak the spirit of the Lord in here on today. You might be having a tough time now, but you keep on fighting and pushing, my brother, my sister. God is going to let that proposal roll through. God is going to bless that business endeavor. God is going to bless that investment. And he's about to show you his prosperity in a way that you could not imagine. You are not going to have room enough to receive that blessing I speak over your life right now in the name of Jesus. But we need to make sure that you don't get carried away by that blessing that God's about to hit you with. We'll just call this a little bit of preventive maintenance before your influx of prosperity. Because he says it in his word that I will bless you. The cattle upon a thousand hills is mine. You are one of my children. You are a child of world's royalty. And he would not have his seed sitting down begging bread. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be prosperous. I will say it again. God wants to bless each and every one of us. He came that we might have life and have life more abundantly. So how do we do it? How do we come to real, the realization of happiness? Notice I didn't say how do we find or achieve happiness because happiness is not something you find or achieve. They've been like happiness is a state of mind, but it is more of a state of your spirit. It doesn't mean you walk around with this weird delusional smile on your face saying that, oh, everything is okay. It's okay. I'm bleeding very badly, but it's all right. It, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you never express pain or sadness. It doesn't mean that you never admit to having a bad day. Sometimes you are having a bad day and it's all right for you to say, you know, Lord, I'm having a bad day. It doesn't mean that you want to stay in your present circumstances either. But it's found in right focus. It's found in enjoying the day-to-day -day events of life. It's found and it means enjoying the experiences and the blessings that God hides in each and every day. There's a beautiful song out there called A Million Little Miracles. One, two, three, four, I can even count them all. It means remembering that the very breath that you breathed 10 seconds ago is a blessing and it's a miracle. 
It means acknowledging that your every breath, even the one you're breathing now, is a miracle. Why? Because if that breath stops, guess what's going to be your first thought? Oh, God, I can't breathe. So everyone here, take a nice deep breath, just let it out. That's enough for you to be happy about right there. There are people right now on ventilators fighting for their life. And some of them were millionaires. And the only thing that would make them happy, right, they would change, they would change places with you in a second simply to be able to breathe their next breath. Amen. Now, deciding to be happy means that at least you never forget that just like our praise team saying earlier, that this is a day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And we didn't even work that out before I preached the sermon today. You walk around with an attitude of gratitude, believing that all things work for the good of those that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. You walk around with a feeling that everything is going to be all right. Let me know if y'all still in the house of the Lord on today. Amen. It's, praise the Lord. Like I said, I have to remind you that I'm preaching to your Monday. I'm preaching to your Monday through your Saturday. This message might not hit you until Wednesday morning when you're going through what you're going through. But there is a formula for happiness. I've decided that I'm going to try to live it out. It's in Deuteronomy 28, verses 1. It lays it out for us. Now it shall come to pass. If you, one, diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, and two, observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all of these blessings, or all of this happiness will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Wherever it says blessed, I put happy. It says blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed or happy shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds the increase of your cattle or your bank account or your investment and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. And then it goes on to say, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. In other words, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things. The cars, the house, the clothes, the accounts, the bank account, the prosperity. All of these things will be added to you. Give the Lord praise if you want his blessings, if you want his happiness to overtake you. Hallelujah. He wants you to be 
blessed. He wants you to be happy. In Psalms 146 and 5, his word says, happy is he, happy is he, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for himself, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Proverbs 3 and 13, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Hallelujah. Proverbs 16 and 20, he who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Proverbs 14 and 21, he that despises his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. Proverbs 28 and 14, happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Proverbs 29 and 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. There it is right there. How to be happy. There it is right there. How to be happy. I just gave you the secret. Everybody in the house of the Lord, stand up and give him praise. Go on, stand up and give the Lord praise. If you didn't know how to be happy before, now you know how to be happy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go on and give him praise. Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord. Take joy in the God of your salvation. Oh, let's worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Our God wants us to have life and life more abundantly. But only through having a relationship with God, through finding our purpose in him, can we be truly happy. If there is someone here that has wondered if you could ever truly have happiness in your life, I'd like to let you know that God wants you to be happy. He sent his only begotten son to die for your sins, for our sins. You don't have to worry about the stuff. The word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added to you. Now the Declaration of Independence talks about the pursuit of happiness, but what we should be more concerned with, especially in our, per in our culture, is the pursuit of meaning. Amen. That's what America needs right now, meaning. It needs more purpose. We should be pursuing meaning and purpose. Because only in those things lie true happiness. Our God wants you to find your purpose, your reason for existing in him. And that, beloved, is true happiness. Oh, give the Lord praise. If you want to be happy, find your purpose in him. We're going to keep on circling back to that. But if there is anyone here that wants to be happy, you know that you are not happy if there's anyone here that truly wants to be happy come down to this altar we're going to pray together whether you're saved or not 
Come on down here to this altar if you want true happiness. Hallelujah. If there is someone here that wants God to touch your finances, come on down to this altar. I'll say it again. If there is someone here that wants God to trust your finances, come down here to this altar. If there is someone here that wants to get connected with your purpose, come down here to this altar. You want to know what God put you here for. Because only in finding your purpose will you find true happiness. Come on down here to this altar. You're not alone. We want to pray with you. We love you. We got you. We want to stand with you. We want to walk with you on this journey. Come on down here. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Mm-hmm. If that's you, come on down here. There's more room. Your God wants you to be happy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has so much purpose that he wants to work out in you. He wants you to be happy. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Father God, that even though you are a just God, you want us to be happy. We ask that you touch each and every person here on this altar. We ask that you touch each and every person who is logged in that wishes that they were here to get this blessing. And we ask that you would continue to strengthen and pull them closer to you in relationship. We pray, Father God, that you would continue to fill them with your wisdom, your guidance, and your purpose, and your power, and your prosperity right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that you want us to be happy. And Father God, that gifting and that anointing that you put inside of each and every one children, Father God, every, every one of your children, we pray that you would pull that out right now. We call it forth right now in the name of Jesus. That whatever gifting or anointing that you would put inside of them, we know that it will make the world a better place Father God, and we pray that you would continue to fill them with meaning because in that is true happiness. So, Father God, we pray your happiness over each and everybody here, each and everyone here at this altar. And, Father God, we pray that even though some of them may feel that they are alone, we pray that you would surround them with your spirit. Let them know that there are people praying for them. Let them know that they have somebody standing with them right now. Bind us together as one. Hallelujah. Let them know that they are not alone. Let no one sink into depression and darkness because of what they think they do not have. Father God, we pray that you would continue to meet every need just as you have guaranteed the breath in our body that we now take for granted. You have been so faithful. And Father God, we call on your faithfulness and we're going to praise you, Father God. 
We're going to stand as living testimonies of what your power can do, of what it means to be truly happy. So, Father God, we pray that you would continue to surround your children with your spirit. Continue to wrap them with your purpose. Wrap them up in your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Now, beloved, there may be someone here that is not even in relationship with our Heavenly Father. You're definitely outside the realms of what it means to be truly happy because you are not even in connection with the source of true happiness. And if that is you, come on down here to this altar. It's okay. Hallelujah. You might already be down here, so please repeat after me. Dear precious Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son to die for my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he came here to die for my sins. And I believe that he arose again on the third day. And I accept him into my heart right this second. I know that he wants me to be happy. And no matter what my circumstances are, I claim that happiness now. I accept Jesus Christ into my heart right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Somebody just accepted true happiness into their heart now. Somebody just accepted Christ. Somebody is a new family member in the kingdom. We need to give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Oh, come on, West Angeles. This deserves a praise. Hallelujah. Now, if that is you and you just accepted Jesus Christ into your heart on today, we just want to spend a little bit of time with you. Don't go back to your seat just yet. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, just stay here. And if you are already saved and as a part of the family and you've received your blessing of happiness and prosperity for what God is about to do in your life, go back to your seat praising the Lord and victory on today. Hallelujah. But if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we just want you to step just straight to that gentleman to your left whose hand is raised. We just want to spend a little bit of time with you. We like to get your name and your information. We like to praise God for you. We want to be able to write you and to reach out to you later. And we praise God for you. You are not alone. It will be our honor to go on this journey with you. And you being here with us, if you want to join West Angeles, come on up here very quickly and you can join. We will be a better church because you have joined us. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord another praise from our sister right here. She's on her way. Next time you see her, you're going to have to look up because God's going to be taking her higher. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. We've been standing up for a while. Praise the Lord.